This morning, uh, we have something hugely special. We're gonna, um, I'm going to show you a video in a second, but I just want to set this up. In 2008, uh, Diane and I were praying about uh, ministering internationally, about going abroad and getting involved in, in ministry internationally, being and uh, um, just Lord was laying it on our heart very, very much. And we began to look and discern how God might be leading in that. Well, that same year, Larry Neese, uh, who's been a missionary 40 years now, 40, 45 years now, uh, he's, he was in Haiti uh, un, until, the, um, until the war broke out, and then he was in the Philippines for several years, and in the last 25 years, he's been in Kenya, East Africa. Um, and uh, he was here visiting. His daughter, Melissa, lives here. He was visiting, and, and, and Melissa said, Dad, I want you to check this church out. It was a, I think it was a Wednesday night service. And he, he just kind of snuck in the back. You know, I know everyone, no, nobody here ever sneaks in the back, right? He's kind of snuck in the back and in his, to see what's going on. And that night I met Larry and something just connected immediately between us. Within three months, I was in Kenya, East Africa and spent three weeks with, with Larry. I met George there and, and learned about Kenya Ministry Training Institute. And we were actually praying about going there to Kenya to work with this ministry. In fact, we had signed the documents and the paperwork and we were going. We were headed there until I got ill and ended up not being able to go. And so that, that, but there was such a connection and such a love that was developed in these few moments. We're like, Lord, what is it that you were doing in this that was clearly you, and, but yet we're not leaving? Well, Kenya Ministry Training Institute t- trains pastors, and many of you uh, are aware of what they do and the, and the ministry that they do. They, uh, they, they started out, they have a two-year certificate program that's accredited by the government, and now they have a four-year degree program, and they teach and train pastors. Now, you might think, that how, why is that important? Let me tell you, there were pastors who were called of God, anointed of God, who didn't know the word of God and unable to feed their people. They were, they were just, Lord, give me a dream, and they would stand up and teach from a dream. It's not an exaggeration. You can ask George, you can ask Larry, they'll tell you far more than this. And it was a need for pastors to learn how to study the Word of God. I've had the opportunity to go twice now, and actually the second time to actually participate in teaching. It's a world-class education. They teach and train these pastors how to study the Bible and how to to teach that Bible to their congregations. They do not teach um, uh, church planting, and they've planted over a thousand churches. It's not even part of the curriculum. But when you have the word of God in your life, what do you want to do? You want to go on the mission of God. Now, many of you have sponsored students, and the way the the program works is the student has to pay a portion of their own fees. But most of the students, overwhelming majority of the students, cannot afford the entire fee that it is. Although, for you and I, to get get a a, a degreed education for, uh, what is it, 600 bucks for two years? I mean, who could do that? That's incredible. But they can't afford to do that, and so they have sponsors from the U.S. that help them. Now, right now, what we're going to do is show a video, because I know many of you have sponsored students. And so this is a video to take a look at of the campus that's finally completed after 25 years and all that they do to keep themselves self-sustaining. So let's take a look at that, and in a minute, I'll introduce George. God has other plans. So, 
technical difficulties. We're not going to be able to see the video, but that's all right. Um, I'm going to uh, bring Brother Larry up and, and George. You can both come up. Um, so if you all would please welcome dear, dear, dear friends. This is, this is Larry Neese, dear, dear, dear friend and brother in Christ, and I know he's going to tell you all about George. Well, let's see. Wana Asafiwe. Can you say that? Wana Asafiwe. That's praise the Lord. And also, como esta? I learned a little bit of greetings in Spanish. Yeah, there you go. But anyway, it's a joy to be with you. Uh, Many of you I know, and a lot of the Spanish people I've not got to meet you, and hopefully we'll meet you after the service. But uh, it's really been my joy to serve in Kenya. Uh, you've heard some of the story, but the end of the story is that George and I have been together since day one. George came to KMPI. He had not finished his studies, and he became a little assistant to me, very young. Now, we're talking take 25 years off of a 49-year-old. <laughs> so he was young, and uh, but we saw great hope. And Some people have to pull their phones out to do that. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we saw tremendous promise in this young man. and uh, You know, having been in the field for 40 years, seeing failure from leaders, uh, people stealing your property, all kinds of things. We do have problems in third world, trust me. But the good thing is God gave me George Wafula, and he's such a wonderful young man. And the good thing is I finished the school alive. The school's been finished, and uh, George was set into place about a year ago, wasn't it, George? Almost a year ago, George, our directors came to Kenya. He's been directing and managing and all of that all along, but they made him the official East African director of Africa. And for that, I'm excited. I'm proud of you, son. I wanted you to, and I'd like also, if I could, for my daughter and Clark and Melissa and Dylan, would y'all stand up? This is my daughter. I I wanted to, this this young lady was a a seven-year-old missionary child. So she's been all over the world with me, and uh, she's grown now, got a wonderful family, great husband, great children. So, George, all I can say is, oh, yeah, let's see, I wanted to present this. Uh, We, as a mission, uh, wanted to present this to to the church. Uh, This is a symbol of a young man who, this is a, a farm boy. These are farm boys. George was a farm boy. He's here with his hoe. He's been out working in their shamba, which would be your farm. And then we bring him in and train him. And then this is when he becomes a pastor. And he pastors a church. We wanted to give this this church. Amen. You're the number one sponsoring church in America, KMPI. Give yourself a hand. Wow. Mark, thank, thank you. you so much for opening the door from a completely stranger. And thank you for allowing us to come and be a part of your mission. I was a complete stranger, but I was the strange one. I have, yeah. my, mic- <laughs> I have my microphone on. Okay. Yeah, anyway, George, it's yours. Thank you very much. Sorry we couldn't show you the video, but maybe another time later. Yeah, yeah. we'll get it up. Thank you. 
Good morning. Uh, I want to say that uh, uh, Larry and myself, we are so, so grateful to be invited back to come here. Uh, we were here four years ago in 2018, and uh, we were not able to come in 2020 because of uh, the travel restrictions that came because of uh, COVID-19. And I would like to take this opportunity to appreciate uh, Pastor Mark Procato, uh, together with the leadership of this church for uh, always opening the doors for us to come and share with you uh, what the Lord is doing on the other side of the world. You know, uh, I'm so grateful that uh, we can get this opportunity to share with us the word of the Lord. And uh, like you said, we come from Kenya, that has been our mission field for the last many years. The Lord is doing a tremendous work in Kenya. And I would like to say to you that uh, most of you, uh, you've been part of what the Lord is doing in Kenya. Some of you have been able to come, like Pastor Mark said. Uh, some of you have not come, but every month you've sent your money, you've prayed for us, you've loved us, you've always uh, allowed us to come. And you're part of what the Lord is doing in Kenya. And for that reason, I would like to say a big thank you on behalf of myself and also the people of Kenya uh, who have been the recipients of your love and also your generosity. I want to share with us the word of the Lord. I'm so sorry that you couldn't uh, be able to see the video, but maybe you will. Uh, uh, I would like to share something in connection with uh, what we want. You're ready to go? Okay. Make. Uh, let me show the video so that you can see the completed campus and I'll share the word of God. Thank you. <clears throat> All the Kenyans who are here, uh, we want to say thank you to you for supporting us to give us this much needed perimeter wall. On my right here, we have uh, our initial teaching hall that was built by Leroy Curtis many, many years ago. And we've been using this for our classes, uh, but now the classes have really grown and uh, we've decided that uh, we use uh, the bigger hall to conduct our classes because this has become uh, much more smaller but it served its purpose we are very grateful for it uh, on my extreme right right there we have our residential uh, rooms for the male students when the pastors come that's where they they stay we have some nice bunk beds there that I've been using for years and we are grateful for that and on this wing here, we have our kitchen right here. This is our kitchen where they cook uh, food from, right here. And then uh, down here, we have the bathrooms. We have the urinal and the toilets that pastors use when they're here to take their studies. And uh, this is the first compound. So I'll take you to the lower compound and you see what is there. A beautiful sidewalk. And because this place is muddy and most Kenyans walk, you know, we decided to make the sidewalks whereby uh, they don't mess up their shoes when they're going to attend the classes and it's really good. Thank you. Yeah. This is my trooper, KCF. And it's a blessing from the Lord. It helps me to move around, uh, you know, to preach and also take care of the needs of the students. And I'm thankful for this blessing here. Yes. Yeah, now this is the second section of our, our campus where we have the 
our offices and then we have uh, the big hall we call it the Leroy Curtis lecture hall all right this is the residential official residential place for our brother Larinis and when he's here this is where our brother Larry stays right here this is the entrance of the door and this section is our offices you'll see it from the front and uh, brother Mike we had some strange trees that were shedding leaves here but brother Mike advised us to cut them down and we planted uh, we planted some fruity trees all over the compound so this is the popo uh, this is the uh, mango tree we have the avocado tree and uh, they have started fruiting and this is the quava tree we planted some roses here they have not flowered but we have some red roses white and red roses the little ones here they are growing we have some here and all this line and when they bloom they are very beautiful but we have the buds here and uh, it's very nice when they start blooming Uh, this is where we have uh, our offices. My office is right here. The CPA, the guy who is in charge of our finances, plus Alex uh, Isikon, who is in charge of the data for the school. We work from here. We have our nice offices here. We have our computers and everything. And uh, we are so thankful for this place because it enables us to do the work that uh, uh, we are supposed to do for the school. And uh, as we move down here, Again, we have some beautiful uh, avocados he, trees here, and we have some avocados, as you can see. Now we're not buying fruits. <laughs> we're just eating fruits fresh from KMTI. See these little guys here? Uh, these are some of the uh, avocados that we have on this avocado tree, and uh, we're happy for that. Sometimes we get over 200 from one tree, and we are so grateful for those blessings. And this is our big hall where we do all the graduations from. Uh, like we have one coming up in July. Brother Bill Watts will be here to conduct, to commence the, uh, the graduation ceremony. Uh, we can sit up to like 800 people in this big hall. Maybe you can sit from the front. Uh, again, this was built by the support from our donors. And this hall has been a blessing not just to KMTI but also to the community because uh, government officials, uh, NGOs and churches, they hire this hall uh, for now 20,000 shillings per day and it's an added income to the school. And we decided to do that so that we can find a way of giving, giving back to the society. Our governor, current governor, is very grateful for this hall because uh, he has done most of his meetings here and we are so thankful for this great blessing that we have today. Okay, right here, there's another important place that I wanted to show you guys. Come with me. Uh, this, is, uh, this is where we have our workshop. So there is Robert here, and then there is uh, our youngest son. Look here, Robinson. This is Robinson Simiyu, and this is Robert. Robert has been here for 34 years. Robinson has been here for close to two years. And they are in charge of this workshop where we have all kinds of tools. So when we want to manufacture, like for example, make the new tables and chairs, we can use our own tools that were either donated to us or some of them we bought with our money. And uh, again, this is very good for us. One section has the workshop, 
And then the other section has uh, Mama Beverly guest house where our teams and teachers come to stay for a week or sometimes two weeks. And uh, it's a great blessing to KMTI. And we're thankful for uh, Grace Temple Church and uh, all other friends who came either gave their money or they came in person to build this place. We needed it and we're so thankful for it. Down here, through this gate, we have uh, our security guys. These are, <laughs> these are our security guys. These are not pet dogs. These are security guys. Hey guys, come. <laughs> these are our security dogs there. Eh? <laughs> we have four of them. And so if they get out of here, uh, you can be sure you'll be in trouble. <laughs> So our night guards work with them every night and we feed them from here. Hey man, are you okay? <laughs> so, hey, hey, this, our, this is our, our garden area and we raise uh, sweet potatoes. And Larry brought this from the US 20 years ago. And uh, when we harvest, we'll make some potato cakes out of these sweet potatoes. So we've tried, we've planted some here, and we have uh, Sukumawiki. Uh, Sukumawiki, you guys will call it uh, green collards, but this, we call it Sukumawiki. And this is like the main vegetable in this country, and so when our students come, uh, they, they eat this together with uh, ugali, which looks like something close to grapes, and Kenyans love it very much. So we practice some little agriculture here, and we have uh, a greenhouse. Uh, Brother Bill Watts helped us to buy this greenhouse several years ago and we raise uh, these are ca uh, cabbages and when the students come in July they'll be able to eat these cabbages so instead of uh, buying some for the students we'll use what we've raised here and we want to appreciate Brother Bill for helping us get this greenhouse because uh, it's given us the vegetables we needed to feed our students and uh, that's a great blessing. And so this is the end of our, our compound here. We do have a, oh, there is one more section here. Uh, our brother Haman, Haman Parker, uh, he has a place where we, we gave to him and he has his tools, uh, working tools and everything from here. So he has a small section here where he has his uh, team coming to work from every day. And uh, on this side, we do have uh, the residential rooms for uh, female students, so maybe they are pastors, wives, or the senior pastors. So when they come here to study for two weeks, men stay in the upper compound and women stay down here because we care for our ladies. We wanted to give them the privacy that they need so that they are comfortable. So they'll walk through this gate here, and uh, this is where uh, our female students stay. It's a very nice quiet place and uh, our ladies love it so much and we are so grateful for our donors for helping us to get this because initially we didn't have a place for female students but now we have a place for them and they are so grateful so in conclusion I would like to say this on behalf of uh, KMTI uh, and on behalf of our students and all the Kenyan people who have benefited from this great vision I want to say a big thank you to our donors for uh, sacrificially giving to help us acquire this land build these buildings and get all these facilities together because now 
we are empowering and training great soldiers here who are taking this nation for Christ. And we are so thankful for your prayers, for your love, and also for your support. Asante san, like we say in Kenya, we just thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who have been supporting us, that is exactly what your money has done. And I want to say a big thank you again for uh, helping us uh, build KMTI. And uh, that school is uh, serving its purpose. We're training so many pastors there who are making a difference on our continent. And we are so grateful for your partnership and also for your support. So I would like us to uh, hear the word of the Lord shortly this morning uh, uh, so that, uh, you know, we, we can be encouraged when we leave this place, knowing that uh, what you've seen and had here, you've had a part. So I want us to read the Bible from the book of uh, Romans chapter number 16, verse uh, number one to verse number 16. I call this a chapter of uh, names. Romans chapter number 16, uh, verse number one, uh, all the way to verse number 16. I don't know if they can shoot it on the screen or not, but uh, if not, I'll just like to read it and uh, we shall be blessed. The Bible says this, uh, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Singria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has become a patron of many, including myself. First number, number three. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their necks uh, for my life, to whom on, uh, not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Uh, greet also the church in their house. Uh, greet my beloved Ebenezer, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, uh, who worked hard for you. Greet Antronicus and Junior, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. Uh, they are well known among the apostles, and uh, they were in Christ before me. Greet uh, Ampliatus. My beloved in the Lord, greet Abanas, uh, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stati. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus, and greet my kinsmen, Herodias, and greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those uh, workers in, uh, in the Lord, Trifena and Rephosa, and greet the beloved Pasis, uh, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Aristarchus, uh, Flacon, Hamas, Patropas, and Hamas and, and the brothers, who are with them. Greet Flocas, Julia, Narcissus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all the churches of Christ greet you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence this morning with grateful hearts. 
Thanking you, Lord, for all the things that you've done for us and all the things that, Lord, you're ready to do for us in this service. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've heard today. We know that your word is, in, is inspired. Your word has life in it. And we pray that, Lord, in this short moment, you will speak to our lives and inspire us, O oh Lord, to rise up and become the people that you've called us to be. We thank you, Lord, that our hearts are receptive. We thank you that our minds are alert. And we thank you that, Lord, we shall receive what the Holy Spirit has for us in this service. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you a story uh, that will be so connected to what I want to say. I come from Kenya, and Kenya is a country that is known to have lions. You know lions? And uh, many times when we talk about lions, sometimes your heart will begin to race because the lion is known as the king of the jungle. And there is one thing I've studied about the lions, which I believe is very true. Uh, the lion is not, uh, when you go to Masai Mara in Kenya, you discover that there are so many wild animals that live in the park. The lion is not the tallest animal in the park. The giraffe is. If you look at those artifacts, you'll see the giraffe, the neck is sticking out above all animals. So the lion is taking off the jungle, but he is not the tallest animal in the park. Number two, the lion is not like the heaviest and the biggest of all the animals that we have in Masai Mara in Kenya. The elephant weighs about six point something tons, which makes him to be the largest animal in the jungle, but yet he is not the king of the jungle. The lion is also not the smartest of all the animals that we have in Masai Mara. We believe that the buffalo uh, is the most intelligent animal of all the animals that we have in the park in Masai Mara. But yet, the lion is considered the king of the jungle. And uh, it's believed that uh, what makes the lion, uh, you, know, you know, and the lion is not like the, the biggest of all the animals, but the truth of the matter is, the strength of the lion, I know the lion has very strong arms and it's strong legs and it has very strong teeth and it can tear an animal into pieces, but that is not what makes the lion strong. The strength of the lion lies in company. Can we say company? The strength of the lion is in the company. If you go to Masai Mara to see how the, the lion's hand, you discover that a, a lion will not dare a 1,200-kilogram buffalo by himself. If a lion tries to attack a buffalo, a male buffalo that weighs like a 1,000 kilos or more, you discover that uh, one lion will jump over the buffalo, and in a few minutes, you will see several lions come up, and they will attack this buffalo, bring him down. Yet if the lion only weighs like between 150 to 250 kilos, but they can bring down a buffalo that weighs up to 1,200 kilograms because their strength lies in company. Amen? Amen. We've seen this video about uh, KMTI. KMTI has been built because of the partnership of friends. We will not have been able to do what you've seen here if it was not for your support. And uh, I say this to bring us to our text this morning. Romans was the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. And we all know that uh, when Paul received the vision from Christ, the Lord gave him a mandate 
a huge mandate to go and become an apostle to the Gentiles. And uh, Paul realized, uh, of course, he, he, because he, he came from a, he was a very learned man, he, he was a Jew, he came from a, a, a very good family, very good uh, background, but Paul realized that uh, if he was going to fulfill the mandate that God had given him to be a witness and an apostle to the Gentiles, he needed other people on board to stand with him, to travel with him, to be friends with him, to people who carry the burden together so that together they can fulfill the mandate uh, that God had given to this man. And Paul writes this chapter, uh, the last chapter in the book of Romans, and I call this a chapter of names. And some of the names are even very hard for me to mention, but Paul is writing this chapter to appreciate some of the men and women, some of the families and the friends and his friends and the friends of his friends who had joined together and they were doing the work that God had called them to do. And uh, Paul is uh, extending his appreciation to different people who are different things and who played different roles in the life of this uh, great apostle. And I want to submit to you, uh, there is a proverb in Kenya that says this, that if you want to go, uh, uh, if you want to go fast, you want to walk fast, run fast, and get where you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, then you have to go with others because there is power in company. And so this saying is meant to tell the people that if you want to accomplish something uh, worthwhile or if you want to stay in the race for a long time, the scripture says that two are better than one. Then you have to hook up with other people or with someone else so that you can put your little strength together and you become a force. And because of that, you are able to go far. Paul knew that if I have to go far in the ministry and in the work that the Lord has called me to do, he did not just want to go fast, he wanted to go far. And when you look at the life and the ministry of Paul, Paul wrote much of the New Testament. He traveled a bigger world. He planted more churches. He raised more sons. And one of the reasons that enabled him to do that was Paul was a man who believed in building healthy connections and networks with people that he called, sometimes he called them my brothers, at times he called them my fellow workers, at times he called them my friends, at times he called them different things. But all these men and women were part of his life and they're the ones that help him not just to go fast, but they enable him to go far. And if you look at the world of Paul, it was a very big world. Amen? Amen. So he writes this chapter uh, to appreciate uh, all the people who are part of his life. And some of them were his friends. And others were people that he had never met before. And he was seeking to become their friends. And I want to submit to you that Paul had never gone to Rome. But he had plans to go to Rome when he wrote this chapter. And, uh, and uh, he is even not the founder of this church that is addressing but he had friends that he knew before who were part of this church. And as a good pastor, you know, what surprises me about me is like, about this chapter is that uh, Paul is talking about, he's making a few comments, several comments about different groups of people, and he knows their names, but he has never been to this church. And the scripture says that a good pastor, a good shepherd, must know the condition of his sheep. 
And because this man was very pastoral, uh, he sought to know the names of some people in this group, and he knew something about almost everyone that he, he listed here, and then he's commending them for the role they were playing in the work of God. I, I want to say this, and then I'll get into my text. It's been said, and I believe this, that all human beings, whether they are black or white, whether they are male or female, young or old, in their hearts, there is always a longing for four things. We call them the four A's because they all start with A. And the first A stands for appreciation. All human beings want to feel like there is someone who appreciates what I do. Uh, you know, I've seen this with my wife. If she makes a nice meal and I say, honey, that was the best food, you will see the smile and she'll go back to the kitchen and she'll bring something else because appreciation like makes her like, he just liked that food. Amen? Number two, Every, every human being has a longing for attention. You know, you want, to, uh, you want to know that there is someone who is listening to you. You are talking to someone and is paying attention to what you're saying. And every human has a longing for approval. You know, uh, I do something and you come and approve of what I've done. And the last one is what we call affection. There is a longing in our hearts to feel like uh, there is someone who cares enough that he loves me. And uh, when you receive those four A's, uh, human beings will feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, they feel like encouraged, motivated to do something. Paul is one man who was so generous with, with giving the four A's. And that is why I believe he was able to build a very strong team around him that even after he died, the work never died with him. The work continued for a long time. Therefore, in this chapter here, we are going to look at uh, some of the people that Paul mentions and some of the things he said about them. And uh, this, it, this will be directly addressing this church here because uh, when I look at uh, this work here that Brother Larry and I have been involved in, we think about people like you that give money every month, they pray for us every month, people that think about, people who have partnered with us. You've enabled us to be able to change Africa and bring glory to the name of Jesus. So Paul begins by saying, uh, now he's writing a commendation, uh, he's saying, I commend to you as Phoebe, who is our sister. Phoebe was a Christian just like Paul and the rest of the brothers. And Paul says, I commend to you, church, our sister Phoebe. And Paul says, this lady here, she is a deacon or a servant in the church at Ingria. And that word deacon, uh, depending on the translation you have, sometimes it uses the word servant. Uh, you know, she was, this is a lady who was, not a, uh, who was not a Roman and she wasn't from Rome. Phoebe came from South Corinth, and uh, being a business lady, she was traveling to Rome, and Paul decided to put this letter in her hands to take to the church in, in Rome. And Paul is, is asking the church to receive this lady in a manner worthy of the Lord, in the Lord and in a manner worthy of the saints, and give her any support that she needed, because uh, as a member of the church in Singria, she was a deacon, meaning she was a servant. And when we, talk, when we talk about a servant, a servant is someone who is willing to do something for someone. Someone who is willing to stoop down and say, can I do anything to help? That person is called a servant, a bond servant or a servant. You are ready to, to offer your gift. You are ready to do something for someone, and therefore you qualify to be a servant. And therefore, Phoebe was involved in the work in the church at Singria as a person that used her life 
her position, her gift, her talent, and her life to serve those who are part of her sphere. And Paul says, this lady is a servant, and therefore I commend her to you. And the scripture says down there that uh, this lady has, uh, and give her any support she might need because uh, she has been a patron uh, or she has been a benefactor or a blessing to so many. History says that uh, Phoebe was a business lady. She was a very successful business lady that had means. And therefore, she used that opportunity to be a blessing to the brothers and the sisters who are part of her church where she was part of. And Paul says, this lady has been, a, a, has been a, you know, as a, as a patron, she's been quickly coming to meet with the needs of the brothers and the sisters in the body of Christ. And Paul says, not just them, but she has also been a blessing to me. Which means Paul is appreciating this lady for her generous life. She was such a generous lady. Two things about her. Uh, one, she was a servant doing something for someone. Number two, uh, Phoebe was a very generous lady, meaning that she, lives a life, she lived a life of what? Generosity. Then number two, Paul says, uh, greet, uh, greet for me, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers. Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and a wife. They were traveling uh, missionaries. They met with Paul in Corinth, when Claudius decided to kick the Jews out of Rome, this couple traveled from Rome and they came to Corinth and they were tent makers. That is where they met with the Apostle Paul and Paul was also a tent maker as a Jew. So they hooked up and they started making, uh, they started the tent making business uh, in Corinth. And uh, when Paul wanted to go to Ephesus, they traveled with Paul and they went to Ephesus and they helped Paul to plant the church in Ephesus. And uh, Paul is telling uh, in this letter, he's commanding uh, these people, uh, they, they, this couple, and says, greet uh, Priscilla and Aquila because they are my fellow workers. The word fellow worker means a companion. And when you look at this word in the, in the Greek, it means someone who is willing to share the Lord with you. You know the Lord? Someone who is willing to give their shoulder and say, brother, I can see you are carrying a heavy, a heavy burden. Like, for example, I'm carrying uh, this Bible and maybe it's weighing like 200, uh, 200 pounds and it's weighing me down. Then someone comes alongside and says, George, I can see you are breathing hard, you are sweating, you are carrying a heavy load. Can I help? And then he will offer his shoulder to carry the burden with that person is called a companion or a fellow worker. Therefore, Priscilla and Aquila, to Paul, they were, they were people who shared in the burden of the ministry. And I want to appreciate you, church, because as a school in Kenya, Larry and I are here to represent the Kenyans and the Ugandans to thank you for sharing the burden of training pastors in Kenya. Because maybe you have not come, maybe you'll not come, but I know you've prayed for us. I know you've given your money. I know you've just loved. Sometimes in life you just need people who will not give you money, but people who just love you. Is that right? Because I've said all human beings have a longing for affection. And at times in life, you just need people can pat you on the shoulder and say, buddy, I love you. That can, you can preach, as a pastor, I can preach on, I can preach for one man for just hearing someone tell me I love you. Amen? And so uh, Priscilla and Aquila were companions, uh, you know, they're, they're people who shared in the burden of the ministry together with Apostle Paul. And apart from that, uh, you know, uh, they were also a great couple because uh, one of the things that Paul says is uh, after saying that greet them because they, you know, they, they, they stuck out in their necks, meaning they put their lives 
online, you know, online, uh, just they risked their lives for my safety. And Paul says, I give thanks to them, and not just me, but all the churches of the Gentiles, because if I would have died, if it was not for this couple risking their lives, maybe I would have died, and the Gentile brothers and sisters would never have had an opportunity to hear the gospel from me. But I thank this family, and the judge of the Gentile also thanks them because they are willing to risk their necks for me. Then he ends by saying, uh, greet the church that meets at their house, which means this couple was also very hospitable in the, sense that they, in the sense that they opened up their home for the church. And up to the third century, the church did not have buildings like what we have today. The believers met in the homes where they had small church homes where they could come together, meet at your house or my house, we have fellowship and break the bread and talk about Jesus Christ, and then we'll go back home. So Priscilla and Aquila, they were so generous so much so that uh, they opened their home to become a place for the meeting of the church. And I know there are people uh, in this church here, maybe you are not a great speaker, but you are so generous in the sense that uh, you always open up your home when there is a church function, say, come meet at my house. And sometimes when you have people come to your house, you know, I'm a different person, you're a different couple, we have different setups. Sometimes people can mess things up. But people have the gift of hospitality and I was doing the research of the word hospitality. That word, does, it means uh, when you are hospitable, which is one of the qualities of an elder, it means you have a love for strangers. It's not loving your brothers and sisters and cousins. It's extending the love of God to someone who is not of your skin color, of your tribe, of your language, someone very strange. And then you are saying, in Christ we are together, welcome and come stay with me. That is what we call hospitality. Amen? And therefore, this, this couple here, they were so hospitable that they allowed the church, uh, the church to meet in their home. And it seems to me like every place they went, they, they opened up their home for the church to meet. And I want to tell you something. Having people in your home, not everybody can do that. I know some, some church members, we, we have a church where I pastor, and I have some members that have pastored for more than 15 years and have never, never had a meeting in their home. Either they are not interested or they don't just feel like that's something they can do. There are people who say, we want to have a Wednesday meeting. We are going to meet. Pastor, bring the meeting in my home. But the others will be like, ah, I think John will have it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else will have it because they feel like a, that is not their gift. So Priscilla and Aquila, they were such a blessing. And apart from this, we know that this couple, they were very good teachers of the word of God. You know the story from a, where there's a man, a man from Africa who came to uh, to the church in uh, who came to the church in Ephesus, and this guy was a, he was an eloquent man, thoroughly you know equipped in the scriptures, and he was uh, he he had passion and he had the gift of uh, of speech and he was an eloquent speaker. His name is called Apollos from Alexandria in Egypt, Africa, and they listened to this guy. They saw the passion, they saw the fire, they saw the commitment, but this young man had a limitation. He knew something that he knew very well. He only knew about the baptism of John. And after listening to him, they are like, this young man is good, he has the calling, but he has a limitation. And instead of condemning him as a hospitable couple, they took him home and they stayed with him. And the Bible says they explained to him more clearly the ways of the Lord. And this young man, when he left the church, he went and refuted with the Jews publicly, telling them that Jesus was indeed the Lord and he helped so many new disciples. 
And these are the people, this is the couple that Paul is calling uh, my fellow workers, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. I would like to go through this very quickly so I can finish in a few minutes. And then he talks about, uh, he goes on and he talks about uh, uh, another guy, Ambliatus, who was like uh, the first convert in, uh, in, uh, you know, in, uh, in Asia Minor when they preached the gospel. Then he goes on to talk about uh, Epinetus. He talks about uh, Mary and he said, uh, greet Mary uh, who worked so hard for the Lord, the lady that worked so hard for the Lord. And I was looking at the word working hard. Working hard means there are several ladies that people that he mentioned here who worked so hard for the Lord. To work hard for the Lord, it means to work to a point of exhaustion. You know, you commit yourself to serving the Lord to the point whereby you, 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 know, you are here and you, know, you are sweating and you're working hard and you're breathing hard because you work to a point where you feel like you are so exhausted. And Paul says, please greet Mary, that woman that worked so hard in the church and she worked so hard for you and worked so hard for the Lord. And then the list continues, and he talks about greed for me, Andronicus and Junia. And Paul says, these were my fellow prisoners, and he says, these were my kinsmen, and he says, these were apostles and who were in the Lord before me. Andronicus and Junia, it seems to me that they were relatives of Paul, who were part of the church that he was talking about. And these brothers, these friends here, they, they, gave their, you know, they came to Christ ahead of Paul, and they were also apostles. And Paul says that when I went to the prison, they decided to come to the prison and they identified with me even in times where, when I was incarcerated. It's not very easy for people to identify you sometimes when you're in a situation or you have a need. Sometimes people can love you because all is well. But then when the world comes crashing on you, sometimes that is when you know the true friends. Because true friends will always, uh, uh, you know, phony friends will step out when things are not working well. But good friends will always step in when the world comes crashing on you. And Paul says, these guys uh, who, are my, who are my kinsmen, I want to appreciate the Lord for them. Because when the world came crashing on me and I was taken to the prison, they decided to walk into the prison to be with me. And in those days, to identify with a criminal, with a prisoner like Paul, it was not something easy because either both of you would be implicated to be, uh, to be guilty or something like that. So it was something hard for them to do. But because they loved Paul, they were with him in the prison. So there are three things that we learned from these uh, we call the chapter of names. And I want to say the first one, I don't want to go through all the names because uh, you can read them at your time and you'll see that uh, Paul is talking about different people. They play different roles. There were different things to this man. But uh, there are three things that I want us to see here. The first one is that uh, uh, people are always the most important asset in any organization or church. People are the most important asset in any organization, in any group, in any church, in any ministry, people are the most important. You can have a great building, you can have great churches, you can have great things, but I want to tell you something. Uh, things always depreciate, but people always appreciate in, va in value. As people grow up, uh, I have some young men that I pastored when I started the church, they were, these young men were like uh, maybe seven years old. Some of them were six years old. They were in the Sunday school. We call it Sunday school, you know, call it children's ministry, but in Kenya we call Sunday school. Some of these, some of these young, young, young boys, 
uh, young kids who are part of the church, you know, you would look at them at age six, they didn't have much value, no education, no money, they will come to the church, no shoes, and then you will see mucus in their eyes, and, and then they walk to the church, and at times you look at them and you wonder, these are little kids, we know they will grow, but today, those young men are now like, uh, uh, they have grown up, they have finished their, their university, some of them have PhDs, and they are learned people, and they are the people who are supporting that work because their value has grown up. They were little then, but right now their value has grown because they have acquired education. They now have talents and skills, and I've been in the U.S. for a month and a half. I'm not worried about the church at home. I go there, and then these young men are pastoring the church because they have grown and their value have increased. Therefore, to us as a school, you people, you have been the most, you've seen a great school. But I want to tell you something. You are the most valuable people to us because you've helped us to do what we, to build what we have today that is building a great man. So I want to appreciate you for being the most valuable asset to KMTI. Amen? Number two, uh, there is nothing greater that was just done by one person. When you look at this list here, you discover that there is nothing great that was built by just one person. If you see a great ministry, it was built by a team. If you see a great organization, it means there were more hands involved. There was more people. There was more gifts and more skills and more talents that came together to build what you can see as a great thing. And so as we think about Kenya Ministry Training Institute, that school was not built by George and Larry and the staff that we have. That school was built by the partnership of you and us working together praying together, giving us the money we needed so that we've been able to build a great school. And if you purpose to come there someday, you'll have a nice place to stay. You'll get a, a hot shower. <laughs> and you will not be eaten by the lions, okay? <laughs> Pastor Mark came there a few years ago, and he survived. Therefore, if you come, you will also survive. <laughs> Amen? Then lastly, uh, I would like to say that uh, uh, all the people that Paul mentioned on this list here, there were those who were involved in the work. This list that we are seeing here is a list of people in the church who are participants, people who are involved, people who are doing something, people who are serving, people who are using their skills, their talents, their time, their lives to do something for the Lord. Mary worked so hard for the Lord. Antronikas and Aquila, they decided they were apostles, but they went to, to the prison to be with Paul. Phoebe, as she was using her gift to serve. Priscilla and Aquila, they were traveling companions with Paul. They were helping to do some business to raise money for the ministry. And then they had a home, and anytime there was a church meeting, they let people come to their home. Therefore, they were doing something. You know, when these, these, other, these other guys, if you look at their names, the Bible talks of Critrifena and Trifosa, the women that worked hard for the Lord, which means they were hands-on. There was no place for spectators. Oh, spectators did not make this list, but those that made uh, this list here, they are those who are doing something. And I want to tell you, my friends, Kenya is a racing nation. Of course, we love soccer. Just like my brother Michael, and Pastor Mark is a soccer guy. He, he told me yesterday he used to play a little bit. And uh, yesterday, uh, United States was playing uh, Netherlands. And uh, we were watching that game. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you something. Uh, 
you know, the, the United uh, team, uh, soccer team had 11 players and Netherlands had 11 players. Those were the guys. You could look at the screen. They were breathing hard. They were sweating. You could tell they were, you know, they could be knocked down. And sometimes you'll see them recording in the pain and they wake up because they are representing their country. But George was watching from thousands and thousands and thousands of miles. And if United States won, we'll have said, man, we won. Well, we, we don't say they won, we say we won. But there is two groups of people here. There are those who are participating, and there are those who are watching and spectating. I'm, I was spectating and watching. And at times we feel so disappointed when our teams don't do well. Uh, but many times, like if you go to Africa right now, most of the televisions, most of the men, like men like myself, they don't even talk to their wives because it's like, wait, wait. You, you see the side, I'm watching my team playing maybe Ghana or Seneca. People will go like, ah! And at times, people end up fighting because uh, there, there are some guys who are like uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. They are doing something, and we are, uh, we are not participating, but we are only watching, and we fight. Let me tell you something as a church. As a pastor, you know, sometimes I've seen a trend whereby there are people who don't want to get involved in what the Lord is doing. And I want to tell you this, my friends. I want to be among the few people who don't just watch things happen I want to be among those who make it happen. Amen? There is the blessing that comes to all of us if we can say, Lord, even in a small way, I want to be involved. Even in a small way, I want to participate. Even with my little gift, I want to over it. Even with my small house, I want to do something. So that when God is moving, you are part of uh, what God is doing. So that uh, uh, because rewards are not given to people who spectate and watch, rewards are given to people who actually get into the race and they sweat and they breathe and they accept to be knocked down and they win the race. Those are the men and those are the women that receive the trophy. So as I think about this story, I'm thinking about the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and sometimes if we all rise up and say, I am not an elephant, but I am a lion. Maybe you're not a lion, but I'm a squirrel. I will do the work of a squirrel. Let the leopard do the work of a leopard. And the elephants will be elephants. Let them do the elephant's work. But as for me, I'm a mosquito, and I want to do something. And uh, even, your even if your contribution is small, you can still make a difference. One person said, if you underestimate, uh, if you think small things don't make a difference, you go to the bed with a mosquito, and Africa has so many mosquitoes. Okay? That is why we have a lot of malaria, because these Anopheles mosquitoes, they carry malaria parasites with them. And if a small, tiny mosquito gets into your net, uh, trust me, the whole night, ring, you'll go like every minute. You'll not be able to go to sleep. And it's been, statistics have shown that uh, elephants are the largest animals we have in Kenya. They only kill like maybe 10 people or less in a year. Mosquitoes are very small, but the people that they send to the grave every year, they're in their thousands. So even in your smallness, you can be a mosquito, but you can make a difference. Amen? Don't you ever say that I'm not an elephant so I can do nothing. If you are a mosquito, just rise up as a mosquito and do what mosquitoes do. And uh, uh, you'll make a difference in the place where God has planted you. Amen? So I want to close this by saying this, my friends. When you look at this list here, if, I, if the Lord allowed me to write uh, Romans chapter number 17 from Kenya, Africa, because 
this chapter does not have an amen. Okay? Chapter 16 doesn't have an amen. So if the Lord allowed me to write a chapter, and it's called a chapter of names, chapter 17 of the book of Romans, and I'm writing about the Calvary Church in Houston, Texas, and George will say, uh, greet for me, Pastor Mark, who works so hard for the Lord, and greet for me, uh, Zeke, who does this for the Lord. Do you think your name will appear? <laughs> if I write the list of the people who are involved in what God is doing uh, in Kingwood, Texas, United States of America, will your name appear here? Just think about that. Because if you're not involved, it means that uh, we can write a whole chapter uh, with many verses. And because you're not using your gift, your time, you're not making your life to count for something, maybe you're not participating as you're supposed to, then it means that uh, your name will be left out. But I want to be among the people who don't just watch what God is doing. I don't want to be among those who are fascinated and excited about what God is doing. I want to be among those who say, Father, if you can use anybody, if you can use anything, if you can send me to any place, here I am, I present myself with my small gift. If you can use it to make a difference in your world, let it be so. So that when uh, those who did something for the Lord come receiving the joy and the grounds and everything, I want to be among the number. Amen? And that's why Paul wrote that chapter. And you as a church, I would like to tell you who have given to us that we are so grateful because, uh, uh, you know, if I was given uh, a permission to write, to inscribe your names there, some of you have sponsored five students, two students, ten students over the years. And those pastors and uh, those leaders that you've sponsored, if we hate them, I'll tell you something about them. Those men and those women have gone all over East and Central Africa, planted churches, God is using them to do great things for the kingdom of God. And I want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to train the pastors. And may the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. Amen. Amen. Amen.